Hello everyone, welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription. I am one of your co-hosts, Peter. I am your other co-host, Anu, and today we are going to be talking about the most important class you will take here at UNC School of Medicine. MS1s, we know there was a lot of information thrown at you during orientation week, but hopefully the answer to this one is a gimme. The answer is PCC. And today, we have the pleasure of speaking with the PCC directors themselves, Dr. Kuntz and Dr. Ko. Thank you both so much for being here. If you would, please tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do here at UNC. Sure thing. Thanks so much for having us. I'm Catherine Coe. I am a family physician by training. Um, actually did medical school at the University of Washington in Seattle and then came to UNC for residency where I completed residency and then did a chief resident year here at UNC as well um, and then joined the faculty right afterwards and this is now my fifth year on faculty, um, fourth or fifth, somewhere in there. You kind of lose track when you're having fun, right? And I have the pleasure of being the co-director of PCC with Tommy Kuntz. Um, in addition, I supervise residents in our clinic and um, enjoy teaching medical students um, and also help to run the first program, the Accelerated Track. I'm Tommy Kuntz. Uh, thank you much for that introduction to our class. I love it. Uh, I'm also a family physician. Uh, I actually went to med school here a long time ago, so I have some insight into the experience of being a Tar Heel medical student. Um, I did my residency training at East Carolina University and did a chief year there, and then came back for a fellowship here at UNC to learn how to be a better medical educator. Uh, and so. I've been involved in PCC since about 2003 now, um, and when I'm not with medical students, uh, the other half of my job is as medical director for the outpatient operation here at the hospital, so I try to help all the clinics run more efficiently and take better care of our patients. As you all can tell, these are two very busy individuals, so we really appreciate you both for making time to chat with us today. When we had our orientation earlier this week, you both emphasized that PCC is still the most important and awesome class even as MS2s. To get things started, could you start by re-emphasizing what makes PCC the most valuable and amazing class for us as medical students? I think it is the way that you use all of the rest of your medical knowledge and um, interplay to deliver care to patients. So the only way that you are using that knowledge is by caring for patients, and we facilitate the way in which you learn how to do that best. So I think that, I don't know, I'm biased. You wouldn't be a doctor without PCC. <laughs> I think about my own experience as a student and not really feeling present in my skill set until I got to PCC. Like, I didn't imagine practicing for multiple choice tests when I imagined becoming a doctor. And that's not to disparage any of the other important information that you're learning. But it was the, the talking and the listening and the examining and the thinking that I imagined when I was thinking about medical school. So it's my perhaps naive assumption that most students are in that same boat, that doing PCC is the thing that most like what they imagined they would be doing. So I hope that it gets people excited and they want to come to it because it is a palpable forecasting of what they're going to do more so than some of their other studies at the moment. And I'll be completely honest, like part of the, the tongue-in-cheek way that we reference it being the, the best and the most amazing, we believe that, but it's also that we want to represent like all of us as course directors love our courses and so it's us kind of like, come on, prove us wrong, right? Like we're trying to um, demonstrate uh, how much we all like our courses and we're you know egging them on a little bit too. <laughs> uh 
I want to build on something you said earlier too about taking tests and acquiring the medical knowledge. I think PCC is the format or the venue where you apply it in the first two years of med school. And then certainly application phase is its own way to apply the information. But PCC really allows you to synthesize, you know, your renal lecture and the medicines and the dosing and um, how to then ask questions about past history and integrate some of the principles that you're learning in SHS. So are there barriers to care? It's really a place where you get to pull in from all the rest of your foundation phase courses and utilize it holistically in caring for a patient. In our time here at UNC thus far, we've noticed that UNC really values patient-centered care. In fact, that is exactly what PCC stands for. A doctor in class is a standard part of every medical school's academic curriculum. To the best of your knowledge, do you think that there are any aspects of the PCC course here at UNC that are rather unique as far as a doctor in class goes? I think there are a few that stand out, and I want to be completely transparent in my ability to state that they are unique across the country. I'm not sure I have that broad of a knowledge. Um, I think one of the things that stands out to me is uh, the early clinical exposure that we have. So clinical weeks are, you know, there are a lot of schools that you go a whole year or more before you ever see a real patient. Uh, so I think it's important that we have that and it's a real connection for students, uh, you know, after a few weeks to remind them why they came to school. I think that's really important. Uh, I think the size of our small groups is certainly not unique, but it's a plus that not a lot of schools have. I think the frequency of our simulation experiences is unique to our school, and the fact that we have dedicated clinicians watch your encounters and give you feedback. There are a lot of places that don't accomplish that, or they have standardized patients give you feedback, which is fine to a certain point, but the clinician's able to give you even more. And then, you know... uh, it's, it's certainly not unique, but I think our tutors are amazing, and they represent a wide array of specialties, and they're all committed to teaching. And Catherine and I get to spend time with them every day before PCC starts to make sure everyone's teaching from the same page. So I think that standard setting is probably unique for doctoring courses as well. The only thing I'll add, too, is our stepping into um, point-of-care ultrasound Mm -hmm. teaching as well. I think nationally there's definitely a movement, so we are not unique in having ultrasound, but I do think we are ahead of most medical schools in integrating it across all all four years of the curriculum, starting in in part pairing it with the patient-centered care course. I don't think it'll ever replace the stethoscope, but that it is another extension um, of your physical exam, and I think one that is very rapidly being integrated into bedside medicine. So if we are preparing doctors to take the best care of patients, we have to be integrating those skills now. They can continue to build on them in residency training and then certainly beyond. One thing I would say that I, I am pretty confident is unique is our undergraduate experience where we have undergrads come and augment your physical exam skills training. So that's kind of a shout out too. If y'all know undergrads that would be interested in the course, we would love to have even more involved. Um, I think it just provides greater efficiency as, as medical students are learning exam skills to have yet another person in the room to be examined. Um, and it's we've seen there's several students out of every cohort that matriculate at med school here or elsewhere. So it's having it's solving some pipeline problems or not solving them, but contributing to them as well. Definitely a lot of cool aspects about PCC, as you just highlighted. Um, if we turn to the weekly small group meetings, I remember when I was starting PCC1 a year ago that I was terrified by what felt like a lack of relevant clinical experience coming in. In the first couple of weeks of class, it felt like my peers who had previously served as medical scribes were significantly more equipped to handle PCC1 than someone like me who had only served as like a PCT or CNA for six months. By the end of MS1, I proved my fears wrong, but what words of reassurance would you say to students now who are coming into medical school and PCC? with little clinical experience. 
I think I'll echo some of the words that um, Tommy used in the orientation with our first years in that this is a class where there is teamwork and collaboration and risk taking. And I think what were to provide some reassurance where a fellow student might excel in maybe having done a blood pressure before and and you perhaps haven't, um, you may excel in taking a social history because of your background or, you know, prior work um, as a social worker. And so I think there are different strengths that each student brings to the course. And being a doctor is much more than just being able to perform the physical exam, that background knowledge, utilizing all of those things. And so um, to provide reassurance, like, first of all, everyone has imposter syndrome when they start medical school, application phase, residency, faculty, like any new position, there's going to be that degree of, am I supposed to be here? Um, And know and be confident that you bring a skill set and a unique perspective that the whole group can grow and learn from. I don't know how much reassurance it provides, but uh, that person is always in my mind because I was a political science and Spanish major. So uh, very commonly, if you remember back to PCC1 orientation, like I deliberately ask questions to celebrate the the political science majors and have them stand up. So um, those folks I'm always thinking about. So, you know, students shouldn't be aware of that or it probably doesn't provide much comfort. But we craft our learning experiences deliberately so that everyone gets to the finish line, but also feels comfortable in their contributions along the way. Well, in that vein, let's talk about CSEs. Um, Before we did our first few last fall, the CSEs sounded really scary on paper. How would you encourage students to think about CSEs and manage that stress they might feel leading up to them? Also, can you outline what is expected of them in general from the CSEs versus their midterm and final exams? Well, they are really scary. (laughs) I I still remember my first CSE from med school and how nervous and anxious I was. It was for the knee exam, um, and it was anxiety-provoking, and we've all been there. We we understand it. Um, But they are meant to be a place of growth, so they are meant to be a safe space where you can make mistakes, Um, even though I think the second you say that it's an evaluation or an assessment, like automatically some performance anxiety and I need to get it right comes in, but um, they are meant to be a safe space to make mistakes, to grow and learn, to when you're palpating something, accidentally palpate too hard and learn from feedback from the standardized patient um, so that way when it comes to a real patient you won't do that Um, and so I don't know how to assuage fears except for know that every week that you're in PCC the information and instruction that your tutors are giving you is meant to prepare you for the CSE so that you can go in and sort of use it as a good benchmark as to how much more attention you should go back and pay in, in PCC when you're when you're practicing physical exam or certain skills. They are meant to be low-stakes dress rehearsals, right? If you look at our calendar, they're pretty evenly paced out on a regular cadence prior to the actual thing where you'll be assessed. I think a little bit of deliberate reflection before you go in. What did I do well last time? What do I want to improve upon? And not just ask that generally, but, you know, is it my introduction? Is it my transitions? Is it my exit? Is it the way I show empathy? Like, uh, is it my comprehensiveness? Like, trying to think deliberately about the pieces and just... Be conscious of that before you go in and then just put it all down and go have a conversation, right? Secondary piece of that, which I know sounds hokey, is watching your video, right? Like, I know it sounds painful, but uh, you'll be amazed at how much you learn about yourself just watching and, and seeing how it flows. That's super helpful. In terms of expectations, I think always trying to think about what the answer is. I know everyone's mind is focused on 
saying the questions comprehensively and in a nice flow, but when you turn that part of your brain off and think about trying to figure it out, I think it makes you a little less nervous, right? Because it, it flows from logic, not from memory. So in PCC1, our weekly small groups focus on developing our skills in history taking and certain components of the physical exam. What areas do you think students struggle with the most and what recommendations would you give in terms of working on these areas? And sort of additional question to that, what outside resources and general tips and tricks would you recommend to succeed in PCC? In terms of general tips and tricks, watch everybody you can. Like we, we say that all the time, like watch your classmates, clinicians, anybody you can do a history to steal words and phrases that worked well for them and try them on and see if, if, if they work for you. I think uh, that's super important just to kind of get a, a full spectrum of the way people conduct interviews. I think one of the things students in PCC1 at least struggle with is thinking about how each section of the history ties back to the chief complaint. There's actually a, a checky box on the checklist that says like, ask questions relating back to the HPI and every single one. And because you don't have a whole lot of clinical knowledge under your belt, you don't know what that means. But like in the social history, did you eat something new? <laughs> you know, like, or did you pick up a new bad habit of alcohol? Like trying to think about something that relates back to the era of abdominal pain. Um, and when you don't have that clinical experience, that, that checky box tends to throw people off. But it's not meant to be a checky box. It's meant to be encouraging them to think diagnostically, not like a list. And that's what I noticed the most in PCC1. And to build off of that, we the checklist that we give you is a comprehensive physical exam checklist. We know that when you go into clinical practices or even on the hospital, you will likely not see all of those items being completed. And that doesn't mean that those physicians don't know how to do all of those items. It just means that in that certain situation, they, using their medical knowledge, have decided kind of what components to build in and what's going to be high yield. So I'd really encourage you all to not take shortcuts now um, because uh, you're still building that medical knowledge to know what what you can take a shortcut on here for this patient and, um, and not for the next one. So really make sure that you're getting all the checky boxes down, that you're really understanding why you're doing each of the physical exam components, not just going through the motions. To that end, the hour-ish per PCC course that you are learning a physical exam topic is not enough to fully know the physical exam. So as much as you have access to a study partner, someone at home, um, a, a good friend who's willing to be a standardized patient, like utilize all those opportunities to practice and understand. And the more people that you practice on, the more your understanding of normal versus not normal versus I need to get further diagnostic assessment becomes clear. Um, and I think also the more variations of normal you see when you're in the application phase, the more easily you'll be able to pick out an abnormal. Yeah, I would underline that. Like, I think in PCC 2 and 3, there is a level of success that comes from, am I practicing to the point of, am I doing the physical exam right? But we really want you to practice to the point of, have I heard so much normal that I would detect abnormal? That's beyond our course goals. That's ready for application phase. So, you know, if you haven't memorized the heart sounds of everyone in your small group, practice on everybody. <laughs> it's because for several weeks or semesters, it's still like, can I hear anything? And we need you to move past that to, yep, I got it. I know what I'm hearing and I know that's normal. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes on a sunny spring afternoon in Chapel Hill, it's hard to stick around and listen to a few more hearts, but that's all application phase minded when we're encouraging you to practice some more.
Yeah, I think that's great advice because as students, I feel like when we did that, we got more comfortable and more confident in our abilities. I think that's great advice for students to start doing that because practice is what makes perfect. So thank you for that. I'm also going to take this opportunity to highlight that we do have several textbooks that we recommend for this course. Um, one for the for the MS1 is focusing more on kind of the medical interview, Coolahan and Block, um, and then definitely MS1 and MS2 Bates physical exam. A lot of the physical exam stuff we do give you in the supplemental materials, but what I think um, we have seen students realize uh, maybe a little too late in PCC at times is the um, Stern Symptoms to Diagnosis textbook that we recommend. Um, there are some great in there just in terms of building your differential, clinical reasoning. So when you see a door note that says patient coming in with chest pain, you already have the top three things that you're thinking of before you even go in. So that just helps you to take a much more efficient history, much more focused physical exam. So it would really um, encourage you all to make sure that you have access to one of those copies and, and be reading it. And it also reinforces the stuff that you're learning in foundation phase too. So it's sort of a reinforcement on both ways. Yeah, that's uh, another one of those beyond foundation phase goals. Like when you're on the wards and someone sends you to the emergency room for an admission and they've got abdominal pain, the resident's going to say to you, okay, what's on your list of diagnoses before you even go down there? What's on your differential? Um, and it just it makes your existence easier if you already have those things well ingrained in your head for you know, chest pain, abdominal pain, shortness of breath, headache, cough, just kind of bread and butter chief complaints. Um, you need to know those. So switching gears a little, we know clinical week isn't until late September, early October, if I remember correctly, but we remember this being a very exciting part of PCC1. Um, it was the first time we immersed ourselves in the clinical setting as medical students and saw patients alongside our mentors. Um, so much learning happens during clinical weeks. We know that you will talk about this more in more detail closer to then, but could you briefly talk about the logistics of clinical week in terms of scheduling, location, housing, um, and your thoughts on how students can start preparing in PCC now to get the most out of this opportunity when it comes? So clinical week, uh, as you mentioned, um, opportunity to be outside of your PCC small group um, in a real clinical setting. Um, some of you will be in the hospital setting. Others of you will be in a community-based practice, but all of you will experience both settings across your three trimesters of PCC. Um, and so as far as preparation is concerned, just really prepare for each PCC course. Um, be probably most ready to knock on that first door and walk in and introduce yourself as student doctor working with um, whichever preceptor you're working with um, and then know that you have a good foundation in a good history taking and depending on if you're MS1 or MS2 the amount of physical exam kind of preparation you have and being able to use will be slightly different but it's an excellent opportunity to learn from your preceptors how they go about the physical exam um, and an opportunity to again be observed doing the physical exam. As far as uh, logistics are concerned we have an amazing team who work on placing all three 180 of you um, over the course of the, the especially the fall. Um, and so we aim to get that information to folks a little bit later in the fall. Gina Horn in the Office of Medical Education is our point person. I would, depending on when this podcast is, is published, I would not send her an email right away. Um, she is working on it in the background, um, but certainly sort of like after Labor Day, um, if you haven't heard anything, that's a time to reach out. And we're always happy to facilitate that connection as well. Um, I think in preparation, if you're a second-year student about to go on your last one, I would think about the physical exam skills that I want to make better and go in with a list so that you can see as many patients and practice that skill. Um, it is okay to do a head-neck exam on somebody 
who's there for something else. Um, and yeah, so I would you know make a list of things you want to practice and um, let your preceptor know so that they can cue up patients that are also good, but then observe you in the moments mm -hmm. where you need extra practice. So especially if you're a second year, I would think about what's the physical exam I want to be better at. I would also think about like just having gumption. Um, that sounds silly, but the distance between October and March is very small. So like go ahead and plan in October to go in the room and be the patient, the, the one that sees the patient and comes out and makes the plan. Just like Catherine said, like pretend it's application phase and what can't you do and figure that out on Monday or Tuesday of your week and practice it some more. With asterisks that I would make sure you establish that with your preceptor before doing, before doing that. So, but be sure to say, I'm really working on being independent in this clinical setting. Would it be all right if I went in and and did this interview and, and worked on this physical exam and could we ask this patient if I could examine their HENT because of COVID? The reality is you haven't had, you know, with COVID and masking and everything, you may lean on that for additional practice. You're going to hear people tell you this again and again and it sounds trite, but if you read about one patient a day in clinical week, your capacity to remember something when it is assigned to a real live human in your memory is so much better than when you just read a random article. So. If you're trying to learn better about hypertension, see a patient with hypertension and then go read a little bit about it and you'll organize your framework based on the meds they were on and their experience and it'll help you understand better. And that's just a, a great 10 minute practice for life moving forward, but especially clinical week. Yeah, and when you're in clinical week too, especially thinking about your patients and their, their trajectories and reading about them, they might be on a medication that you are like, that's not what they necessarily taught us in, you know, choose whichever block you want to, um, but it's not that it's any different. You just say, talk to your preceptor and say, help me understand how this patient is on this medication. And probably most times the preceptor will give you a little bit of their history. Like we tried those other first ones and now this is the one we've ended up on and this is the one that seems to be working the best or, or there's some other indication that you may have missed on a PowerPoint slide or a lecture capture um, that then just re-solidifies some of that information too. Thank you so much. That is all really very, very helpful advice. Um, I think honestly we're hearing a lot of clinical pearls that's relevant to both <laughs> us MS1s and MS2s, so thank you. Um, just want to give you an opportunity. Any other thoughts or insights that you want to share outside of the questions that we've asked you today, just to wrap things up? Just another reminder that this is the best class. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> we can vouch for that. <laughs> I think if I could just put in a plug, uh, the Sim Center works behind the scenes so hard for students. So at any moment where someone has a chance to say thank you to the standardized patient or to Jeff McQueen and the staff over there, like um, that's a a key piece of your experience that looks flawless from on your end and they do a lot of work to make that happen so um, mm -hmm. I would just put that plug in there and in the office of medical education mm -hmm. staff for sure. yeah for sure thank you sim center and office of medical education and dr coons and dr co thank you so much for <coughs> sharing your time and wisdom with us to our listeners that was dr tommy coons and dr Catherine co giving us a snapshot about pcc1 my name is anu and my name is peter thank you for tuning in today and we will see you next time on the tar heel prescription <laughs>